0: And now, discover your true course. This podcast is a production of True Course Life and Leadership Development. Your host, founder, and president, Dr. Michael Godfrey. Hello, and welcome to Discover Your True Course. This podcast is a part of our service and support for organizations and individuals in their pursuit of more that matters. In this complicated and confusing world we live in, who do you trust to help you sort it out? True Course is a trusted guide for accomplished and successful individuals who know that there's still more that matters and they want to manage their success to achieve it without regret, both personally and professionally. We spend all day every day resolving problems. Anxiety about the problem craves a quick fix. So we're inclined to believe that the faster we can solve a problem, the better. And sometimes we can solve a problem quickly, or we may even find out it's not a problem at all. But that passion for a quick fix can lead to faulty reasoning and error. The COVID-19 pandemic and associated crises has created a novel problem space that requires masterful problem-solving skills and creativity. We must clearly define the problem space and discover novel solutions. These are soft skills that are most desirable in organizations today, but appear to be rare. Let's review what we've done with problem solving in the last couple of episodes, and then talk about ways that you can manage these hindrances called cognitive biases. We've looked at the principles and skills involved in problem solving, as well as some hindrances to your personal effectiveness in problem solving. It's important to define the problem space to include present reality, the future desired state, and possible actions for bridging the gap between the two. We also emphasize the importance of a process that includes assessing, evaluating, creating, acting on what you've created, and then repeat that process toward identifying and solving the rest of the problems. These may be an individual problem or component problems of a bigger problem. And finally, we've noted some hindrances to effective problem solving, which include the limitations of our working memory, our emotional attachment to the familiar, the routine, and the traditional, and our own anxiety in the face of problems, which dramatically diminishes our ability to see the bigger picture, to communicate well, and to think critically and rationally. In the last episode, we explored some of the hindrances that are used by us to get around limitations of our working memory, that emotional aspect of it, and our own anxiety. Trying to get around that, we use these hindrances, so we actually get a double whammy. We're being hindered, and then we use a hindrance to manage the hindrance. These hindrances that we talked about last time are called cognitive biases. These biases can completely wreck your problem-solving efforts, leaving you no better off than when you started, and sometimes worse off. These biases are ways that an individual frames information. They're mental shortcuts, and they deviate from rational objectivity, producing subjective, irrational, flawed, and error-filled outcomes. These biases are called systemic flaws or errors because they are inherent in the way we manage our thinking. A part of its systemic nature is the flaw will continue to occur unless a person fixes it or adjusts their thinking to be more critical and rational. We use these biases to help with our limited attentional and cognitive processing abilities, help with our social influence and manage our social image to a degree to be well thought of. We use them in responding to our emotions and sometimes what we might call our gut thinking. And sometimes biases are used to address our moral motivations. And these biases surface sometimes because of the distortions that occur in storing and retrieving our memories. Our memories are notoriously unreliable. And that memory that you treasure most has changed many times since it first was implanted. And it will change many times more the key to managing these cognitive biases is to be aware of what they are, how they work, when they're active and to know ways to work with them when posed by self or others. In the last episode, we outlined and expanded on some of the categories of biases. So you could get a sense of what they are. In this episode, I want to talk with you about how to take some initial steps toward managing these cognitive biases. And so here are the tips. Number one, Learn to recognize a cognitive bias and help your team recognize them. Give one another permission to call one another out when cognitive biases surface. This will really require a high level of trust in your team, but you can build it. You're going to learn more about what these biases look like in episodes to come, because in each of the next four or five episodes, I'm going to outline these biases that I feel like will be most helpful to you and explain them so you'll learn to recognize them. The second thing you need to do is learn to intentionally challenge your own thinking. Now, this is going to require some work, so you can't be a lazy thinker. I'm asking you to criticize your own thinking. And when you think critically about something, you're going to ask hard questions about your own thinking. Even if you believe you're right, challenge your thinking. This is a discipline. It's called metacognition, which means thinking about your thinking as well as thinking about the thoughts of others. It's about processing things mentally. In order to practice metacognition, a person needs to be able to reason abstractly or think about ideas. They need to think deductively using a general principle and projecting what kind of outcome that general principle might be or to design a desirable outcome from a general principle. All of this done mentally. It also involves the ability to hypothesize and perform what-if analyses. This kind of thinking, which in my field we call formal operations, is an indispensable component of creativity and problem solving in that one can identify the problem, creatively imagine the desired future as related to the problem, and then design steps to bridge the gap in between the problem and desired state all in their head before actions in the environment are taken. So it's kind of a nice thing if you got out there and actually did what you were thinking in the environment, you could really make a big mistake and it could have long-standing consequences. You can do it in your head and you can practice and make a mistake and practice and make a mistake if you learn how to do it. The second highest level of thought that we know of is called problem solving. The highest level of formal operational thought that we know of is called problem finding. And this speaks to the challenge of clearly identifying the problem, and possibly to the reason that much of problem solving fails for lack of clarity. This kind of thinking is a weakness for most, partly because we've not been trained to do it, and partly because we're just flat lazy. Remember that cognitive biases are actually shortcuts around this thinking, because we just don't have that mental capacity to do it, so there are some supports we will need to do this kind of complex problem solving. Even if you sharpen your critical thinking and problem-solving skills, you will still likely use some cognitive biases as shortcuts. So don't feel bad if one shows up, just be aware and work around them. A small research study indicates that only half of all adults think in this more advanced way, even some of the time. Think about that. Standardized testing in public schools weakens this ability. When you teach to the test, you don't learn to think critically. And propaganda capitalizes on this weakness hoping that we will not think about what we've been told. Also, I think you'll want to know that related to job skills in 2020, the World Economic Forum published in its Future of Jobs report, the top 10 most desirable qualities in an employee. The top three, number one, complex problem solving, number two, critical thinking, and number three, creativity, in that order, followed very closely by people skills and emotional intelligence. All of these are soft skills that a person can learn how to do. So, how does a person think about their thinking? First of all, you'll want to use high intellectual standards. These standards include clarity, accuracy, precision, relevance, depth, breadth, logic, significance, and fairness. And there are questions to support each one of these that you can ask to see if you're achieving these standards. These standards are set forth by the Foundation for Critical Thinking, and you can do a Google search and go to their website and see much, much more. Another thing that will help you think about your thinking will be if you engage with other people in healthy argument. This is so helpful, but we've forgotten how to argue. Argument now has such a negative connotation to it because people don't know how to argue without attacking the person. Argument deals with ideas, with the issues, and not attacking another person. So when you enter into what we call in my field of educational psychology, dialogue, it means that you will lower your preferences, lower your leanings, your habits of thought, your beliefs, and your cognitive dispositions when you listen to another person. Many times we listen to another person and all the time in our head we're deciding if we think they're right. You want to hear in a way that you're not judging if they're right or not until you get to the place that you're ready for that. You need to hear them openly. This does not mean that you are to agree with them. If you will lower these barriers to hearing, you will hear their opinions more clearly without the filters of those biases. And you'll be able to participate in the argument more intelligently cogently, and with respectful consideration of the opinions and the people who hold them. Then I would suggest that you start using questions with yourself and with other people rather than making declarations. We rarely ask ourselves questions. Most of the time, we're telling ourselves something. We're making a declaration. All these questions that I'm about to give you can be fashioned for yourself or for other people. Remember to use those intellectual standards I mentioned earlier and ask these questions. And there are many more questions, but these are some really good ones. What do I believe about this issue? And just to illustrate, if you were going to use that with another person, you can say, help me to know what you believe about this issue. Number two, how did I come to this belief? You can ask another person, what brought you to this belief? Another question, number three, why should I believe this? What is the evidence? What are the data? What is the witness? Number four, how true is this belief to reality? Each mental construction that we have is our own little version of reality, which may or may not be true to what is. We shape those things according to our cognitive biases. Number five, how is this belief serving me as I live and relate? I'm, I'm really interested, and I, I probably do this too, of how we live with principles that just don't serve us well. In fact, sometimes some psychologists will tell you we live with lies. A great book that's really helped me in my life is called Lies We Believe by Chris Thurman. You might ask yourself again, is this belief that I have working well, or is it false, or is it unreasonable, or is it actually hindering me? And then the question that I love is how else could I look at this? If you will ask these questions, and there are many more, of the things that you believe, you'll be able to root out many of the cognitive biases that are at play. Most biases are subtle, and they seem to make sense, especially when someone in power uses them, and that's yet another bias. Unless your team has the training to recognize and work with biases, you can expect these to surface in your team meetings, board meetings, and in problem-solving settings. Holding to those cognitive biases can nurture your blind spots, create new ones, they can hold you back from creative approaches, and they can keep you from solving the problem that you so desperately want to solve. So now in future episodes, we're going to talk about specific cognitive biases, along with a review of some of the information we've just done. I'll try to keep you up to speed because I know for some of you, this is very new information. If you'd like more assistance with this, contact me at discover at discoveryourtruecourse.com. And I'm very interested in supporting you on your quest. To be more, see more, and achieve more, and finish without regret in your life, relationships, and career. I'm Michael Godfrey. Thanks for listening. See you next time. This has been a production of True Course Life and Leadership Development. Copyright by J. Michael Godfrey. All rights reserved.